presented by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Wednesday, August 23rd, and I am coming to you this morning from Milwaukee, Wisconsin for Debate Day. As somebody who doesn't watch sports, I am starting to get an idea about how people feel on Super Bowl Sunday. It's basically the Super Bowl for the GOP primary. For a lot of Republicans around the nation, they've been busy with their summer plans, and they haven't really been paying attention to what's going on on the trail. But that all is going to change tonight with the first Republican debate. So even before the curtain call, we're starting to get an idea of what we can expect this evening. We know Nikki Haley is going to be gunning for Vivek Ramaswamy over his isolationist foreign policy views. Mike Pence has been talking a lot about his role on January 6th on the campaign trail, so we can expect him to talk about that and perhaps chide Trump for putting self-interest over the Constitution. Chris Christie, slugger that he is, will be going after everyone and their mother. Uh, And Tim Scott, who's actually been seeing a little bit of a bump in the polls but hasn't been receiving a lot of attacks, he's probably going to try to maintain that posture and hope that nobody comes after him. But Donald Trump won't be on the debate stage, and that means a lot of these candidates who have been pining for a chance to take a shot at him won't actually get it. However, that means that they can create perhaps their own standout and viral moment that can help sort of catapult them in the polls uh, and maybe even overtake the former president. My colleagues on the politics team have a really great read-up this morning that we tease out in Playbook about what each candidate needs to achieve on the debate stage tonight in order to, to have a good evening. Ron DeSantis, who arguably has the most to lose or gain tonight, needs to dodge his rival's arrows because he's going to be the top target for Republicans since Trump is skipping the debate stage. And he's going to have to be careful not to parrot those talking points laid out in his Super PAC's debate strategy, which was posted online and found by reporters in a quite embarrassing fashion recently. Ramaswamy is going to need to show voters that he's not just having this sugar high in the polls. He's also going to have to prove that he's not just in the race to help Trump, as some people have accused him of being. And he's going to have to answer for a bunch of flip-flopping on various issues that different campaigns have been picking up recently. Pence and Nikki Haley are going to have to find a viral moment. They've been in this race for a bit now, and they haven't really seen a lot of movement in the polls. So Haley obviously will be the only woman on the stage. So we'll see how she leverages that to try to stand out amongst all the men up there. And Christie is going to have to convince Republicans that it's time to move away from the ex-president. That is going to be a tough proposition for Republicans, given that Trump is sort of soaring in the polls right now. Uh, But we'll see if he's able to do it. For more, you should read their story, which is also on Politico.com. As a side story to all of this, I really think it's important that we don't lose track of all this sort of outside drama that we're seeing building up around the debate tonight. I saw it firsthand when I was on my way here to Milwaukee uh, in the Chicago O'Hare International Airport yesterday. I ran into Will Hurd, who, by the way, is a big fan of this podcast. He told me that personally. But Hurd was railing against the RNC for keeping him from the debate stage. I mean, he had reached 40,000 donor threshold, seen his polling reach more than 1% in three state polls and two national polls, and he thought he had cleared the threshold to make the debate stage. But then he received some bad news. The RNC told him uh, Monday night and other Republicans, Perry Johnson and Larry Elder, that they did not qualify because some of the polls they were using 
uh, were not accepted by the RNC. And Heard was angry. He accused the RNC of cherry-picking which polls to use to keep him off the stage. He noted that he's tied with Nikki Haley and Pence in New Hampshire. Uh, but he said that this is basically about silencing him. And not just that, but silencing the people who want to see him up on the debate stage. And that's not the only drama surrounding the debate tonight. I mean, Larry Elder and Perry Johnson have said they're going to sue to try to stop the debate. They, of course, probably are not going to be able to do that. But we're also going to see Trump surrogates like Carrie Lake, Matt Gates, and Marjorie Taylor Greene showing up here in Milwaukee and daring the RNC to stop them from entering the spin room with reporters. Uh, they're not actually supposed to go in unless they're invited by credentialed media. Since Trump will not be on the debate stage, they are not uh, given free-flowing access. Now, I caught up with Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, yesterday in Milwaukee, and she defended their decision to bar four Republican candidates from the debate stage today. Here's what she told me. I have nothing against all four of these candidates. Mm -hmm. They are far better than Joe Biden. I wish them the best. Their campaigns can continue. They still have time to qualify for California. But the rules are the rules. Mm -hmm. We were very clear about it. We applied them equally to every candidate, and unfortunately, they fell short for this debate. McDaniel also dismissed this fight as, quote, D.C. Beltway chatter, and she said that candidates should actually be looking in the mirror if they're angry. The 1% polling threshold, she argued, was very reasonable, a very low bar or threshold for somebody running for president of the United States. So maybe instead of blaming the RNC, they should look at their internal campaign. A few other nuggets from our conversation. McDaniel isn't happy that Trump has ignored her pleas to join the debate stage. I think it's important that we talk to the American people, and I believe the general election starts now as we contrast our party with Joe Biden, even while we're competing to re receive that nomination for our primary. McDaniel also said there could be consequences for candidates who sign the RNC pledge, but then backtrack. If they sign the pledge and then um, say, I lied, or those things, that will impact them on future debate stages. I asked her whether the RNC will enforce the pledge if Trump is convicted before Election Day, or whether the RNC will continue to support him if that happens. She didn't want to answer. McDaniel also called for Republicans to focus on policy tonight, which is a plea that is interesting given that there's been a lot of schoolyard taunting in recent days with Trump suggesting Christie is a, quote, fat pig and DeSantis' super PAC encouraging him to, quote, hammer Ramaswamy. I'm just saying I really believe the Americans are hungering for policy. So I really hope we put forward an optimistic a thoughtful, positive vision for how we're going to make life better for Americans. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House and Senate are still on a recess, and President Joe Biden, lucky him, is still on vacation at Lake Tahoe. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening. Reducing methane emissions requires not just will and words, but actions. The Biden administration would benefit from hearing from the industries driving the most methane emissions reductions including the natural gas and oil industry. U.S. methane emissions intensity from energy production is way down, and API's members keep innovating to mitigate emissions. With smart regulations, Washington and energy producers can reduce methane emissions together while strengthening America's energy security. Learn more at API.org.